Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. We hear a portion of our gospel text from Matthew chapter 4. Jesus left Nazareth and went to live in Capernaum by the sea in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah, land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, along the road by the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who live in darkness have seen a great light, and those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From then on, Jesus began to preach, repent because the kingdom of heaven has come near. Your word is truth. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. There are some very interesting comparisons between this land spoken of here in our text and the land in which we live today. Our text quotes a prophecy from the book of Isaiah of a darkness and a great light that would come into this land of darkness, come to Zebulun and Naphtali, to the road by the sea, to the land east of the Jordan, and to Galilee of the Gentiles. Where, where is this land that's being spoken of here? Why, why this particular land? This land is, you know, if you think of current Israel, it's kind of the northern part of current Israel today. Back then it was the same. Um, and it was a, a land that's very interesting for a number of reasons, but Galilee is specifically mentioned because it's Galilee where Jesus would make his home, settling in the town of Capernaum. And from Capernaum, Jesus would go out on these various uh, preaching and healing tours. And he would travel maybe just a few miles to a town a couple miles away or as far away as maybe 50 miles up to Tyre and Sidon, Caesarea Philippi. And then he would also on occasion traveled down to Jerusalem, which would have been about 80 miles away. So Jesus covered this area walking, and you may be wondering, how large was this area? Well, it's about 11,000 square miles, which is not a very large area. It's about less than a fifth of the size of Illinois. So again, not a real large area. Uh, but what's most important here is the history of this area. This land, before it was settled by Zebulun and Naphtali, two tribes, two of the twelve tribes of, of Israel, you know, before they settled there, it was occupied by the Canaanites. And the Canaanites were... Uh, as pagan as they could get. You know, all these false gods they worshipped and goddesses and uh, 
tremendous amount of sexual immorality, all kinds of lies and bizarre worship practices, and uh, even uh, not only killing their, their neighbors in the next town over, the next kingdom over, but uh, killing their own children, child sacrifice. So, this is the area we're talking about. But then Israel comes in at the end of the Exodus. And, and they, they inhabit these areas, including Galilee and Judea and Samaria and Phoenicia, Decapolis, you know, cities as far south you know, as Jerusalem and below there, Bethany, and then also all these other cities that are further up north. Uh, but the Jews, when they come into this land, you know, more than a thousand years before the time of Christ, uh, under Joshua, when they come into this land, they end up really liking the Canaanites and their gods and goddesses and their practices of sexual immorality, and they even like, to some degree, their practice of, of child sacrifice. And for the next thousand years, uh, things did not get any better. Sometimes it went from bad to worse. Sometimes it got a little bit better. Sometimes some of the Jews became more faithful because of certain reformations that took place coming out of the city of, of Jerusalem. But again, for the most part, it was not good. Uh, one of the better times that happened was at the time of Christ. Some of the Jews became more faithful, and that was because of the preaching and baptizing of John the Baptist. But again, this area of Galilee and that area around it remained a land of darkness because of sin, a lot of really ugly sin at that time in that place. Because of all kinds of false gods and or rejection of the Lord God in that land at that time. Because of all kinds of lies they believed in in that land at that time. And even because of the stubborn refusal in that land at that time to see and acknowledge Jesus as the Messiah, the Christ, sent to deliver them from darkness, from sin, and from death. Now, if this sounds familiar, it should, because we live in very dark times. They are getting darker. We have entered a post-Christian culture. Many of us have observed the striking changes that have taken place over the years and asked what in the world is going on. But we all need to understand that these are dark days. That in this land, at this time, things are, are very dark. As we observe what essentially is pro-paganism. Evil, anti-God, anti-truth, anti-decency, and even anti-common sense. So, some examples, some of these I've shared with you before. Church membership has steadily gone downhill. I'm not talking about us here, 
yes, hit us too, but throughout the nation. Church attendance, especially during COVID, has taken a real hit. It's estimated that church attendance during COVID dropped by about 40%, and some of the churches have not recovered from that. I shared with you not too long ago that people who quit coming to church seem to forget very quickly what true faith in Christ is all about and why it's important to come to church. Well, and then these uh, societal statistics, uh, 30% of millennials now identify as LGBTQ. I mean, this is just within a few years. Uh, Almost 40% of those who are 18 to 24 identify as such. Back in the late 1980s, uh, 85 to 90% of the population here believed that same-sex marriage was not right. Uh, Today, it's it's almost just the opposite. 74% of people say it's fine, it's normal, it's legitimate. And then, of course, we have to touch on that one other subject that uh, we're recognizing today. Again, this is Life Sunday, where we stand for the protection of the unborn. Uh, We remember the infamous Roe versus Wade decision in 1973 that struck down pro-life laws in all states. Uh, Fortunately, this this decision was overturned this last summer. Uh, That has made mean we are now a, a nation that is pro-life, what they did simply was say, put it in the hands of each individual state and told the states, well, you decide what you want to do regarding uh, the murder of unborn children. So here in Illinois, for example, we have some of the most liberal pro-life laws. You can get an abortion up until the time of birth. Uh, There were two laws passed recently which invited abortion doctors from uh, neighboring states to come here and perform their abortions here. They passed a law that allows medical professionals professionals who are not doctors to now perform certain abortions. And as one uh, statesman said, this is this is pure evil. Is this political? Well, we could say it is, but more importantly, it reveals uh, that we are living in very dark times. That's the essence of what I'm saying here. Just like back then, in the land of Galilee, dark times. But it is dark not only because of what goes on around us, but because of also what each person brings with him or her. No exceptions. Each person brings with them a sinful nature, an old Adam. Now, into this darkness and Galilee and the surrounding area came a great light. Again, this is a fulfillment of a prophecy found in Isaiah chapter 9. And if you go a little bit further in chapter 9, you find out more specifically who this person is, who will be this great light. 
It's the passages that we just sang about in one of our hymns. It's a passage that we always hear at the time of Christmas. Who is this great light? And so we go down to verse 6 of Isaiah 9. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The authority to rule will rest on his shoulders. He will ruin on David's throne and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from now on into eternity. So Jesus Christ comes to this area. And he goes out preaching and teaching in the towns, providing ample, ample evidence that what he is saying about the kingdom is true, what he is saying about himself is true. And he brings with him just one basic message to that dark place at that time, repent, because the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now he's also saying at the same time, its king has come near. I, I am the king. You who live in this dark, dark place, who, you who bring with you your own fallen nature, your many and terrible sins, know that the kingdom of heaven and the king has come near. I am that king. You who live in this dark, dark place, you who bring with you your own fallen dark nature, your many terrible sins, know that the kingdom of heaven and its king is here, right next to you. Repent. And then it's no mistake that towards the end of our text, this kingdom is also called good news. And the only reason it is called good news is because this king, on his final trip from Capernaum all the way down to Jerusalem, would, would experience a death, not only at the hands of Pilate and the soldiers and the Jews, but also at the hand of his father, God the Father. If you want to see God the Father get really angry, if you want to see him take out his vengeance on a sinful, dark world, on sinful human beings, go to the cross. There, God's anger and wrath over sin was finally and completely satisfied. And forgiveness won. That's why the kingdom of heaven is called the good news. So let's, let's bring this home now. Yes, you and I live in a very dark world. We look around and we're reminded of those things that are very evil anti-God, anti-truth, anti-decency, anti-common sense. We live 
under the shadow of death. And regardless whether we have participated in any of these evil examples I have mentioned, we still need to be reminded of the personal darkness that we bring with us, the old Adam, our flesh. So the command to repent still does and must always apply to all of us right here. I've been a pastor for about 40 years. And I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that I have heard confession of every imaginable sin. I have heard people repent of the worst of sins and the least of sins. All of them emanating from the old Adam. And I have also had the great privilege of telling them that the darkness in and around them is not as dark as the great light is great. The good news far outshines the darkness of any sin and any death. The good news of the kingdom of heaven and its king are right here. They are in your baptism. They are in the word of scripture that you read. They are in the absolution. They are in the Lord's Supper. When you are baptized, you are forgiven. Clothed with the brightness of Christ's righteousness. And you are one with him in his death and his resurrection so you can live as children of the light. When you are absolved, you are being assured that God has no recollection of your sins. They are forgiven. When you take into your mouth the bread and the wine of the supper, Jesus himself tells you that you are receiving his very body and blood for the forgiveness of your sins, all of them. So as Jesus appointed fishermen to go fish for men, he continues to do the same today and appoints pastors and teachers and others to, to bring others to that forgiveness in Christ. In all of us, yourselves included, you too can be fishers of men. When somebody comes to you and asks you, why do you believe what you believe? Or when a person comes to you and says, my life is, is miserable. Or when a person comes to you and says, I think this is sin that I have done, what do I do? The fields are always white for harvest. There's always need for spiritual fishermen. 
May God uh, continue to comfort with the message of the kingdom of heaven and its king that are here for us and for all. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and shall be forevermore. Amen. And now may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.